My name is Javon McCormick. I am the president and CEO of Scribe Media. Uh, more importantly, I'm also a father and a husband. And on today, we are going to cover, wow, lessons from my pimp father. We're going to talk about my fuck it moments. And we're really going to dive into what did I learn from being sexually molested by that prostitute? What did I learn when I was in juvenile prison? Not juvenile detention, juvenile prison. What did I learn when I was in the hole, in that pitch black hole by myself as a 13 year old kid? So stay tuned. Welcome back to this fourth part of this delicious episode of Curiosity Bites. This episode is brought to you in part by the Awesome Music Project, bringing music, story, and mental health together. All proceeds from the Awesome Music Project campaign go to mental health and music research initiatives. You can find out more about the beautiful Awesome Music Project coffee table book in all the usual places. Uh, the book features stories from amazing people like astronaut Chris Hadfield and award-winning artists like Michael Bublé and Sarah McLaughlin and even some bloke called Dove Barron. Uh, you can find out more about the Awesome Music Project and the AMP Foundation at www.theawesomemusicproject.com. So I want to welcome you back to this uh, delicious episode of Curiosity Bites with my guest, Javon McCormick. He is the president and CEO of a publishing company called Scribe Media. Scribe Media has worked with more than 1,800 authors, including members of the uh, Nobel Prize Committee, Nassim Taleb, and the Navy SEAL, Dave Goggins, and among many, many others. You may remember that, uh, if you are a regular listener, you may remember that we had Aaron Tyler on here, who is uh, creative director, I think is the title, uh, inside Correct. of Scribe Media. Yep. Um, another amazing interview. If you didn't get to listen to it, I recommend that you go back. Before we jump into the fourth and final round, um, I'm going to throw a surprise at you. You okay with that? Oh, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is called, we call this the mastication round mastication to chew on it right? right so the mastication round is this you get to pick a number between one and 24 and if you oh. pick that number i will read you the corresponding question 13. what number would you like to choose 13 13 lucky for some oh your favorite word yeah it's a bullshit word <laughs> what is your favorite word What's my belief? Belief. Yeah. That's your favorite word. Why is that favorite. your favorite word? Um, belief forces execution. Mm. You, you can sit back and hope and wish all damn day. Not going to do anything. And, you know, for, for me, belief, if, if you believe you can have the big house, you got to go execute to get it. If you believe right. you can have the career, you got to execute to go get it. But if you just drive through the neighborhood, oh, I hope I have a house that big. Hey, it's, it's not going to produce shit. When I would hope my dad would pick me up, never showed up. When right. I would hope I would have food to eat at night, never produced anything. And so I stopped hoping. And right. I, it, belief forces execution. And then wish, that's just a, it's a garbage ass word. It, it's... Uh, no, I, I said this to you to you earlier. Um, I've got four kids, seven, yep. five, three, and two. So we got a lot of birthdays going on in my house. 
when that cake hits the table and we sing happy birthday, when they blow out the candles, we don't make a wish. We make a goal. And because wishing doesn't do shit. You can wish. Wish is, is wish and luck may be two of the worst words out there. Um, just because they don't produce anything, you know, pe people say, Oh, best of luck. No, don't wish me luck. I don't want that shit. Uh, when I was a kid, it would, so I guess my, I just had an unlucky childhood. No, wish, wish luck, hope. Uh, -uh. I, I don't do any of those. No, I, I love that. I, I've often, where I live is a place called Vancouver in Canada and a four hour drive from here is a place called Kelowna which is up across the mountain and halfway between here and Kelowna is a town called hope. <laughs> and I say, don't wish me. I have no interest in hope. Hope is halfway between here and Kelowna yeah. and it's a, and it's a freaking cold, miserable place. I'm not interested in living there. Um, but I'm, I'm okay to, to understand that I can, I can, I can embrace hope as a halfway house but I'm not living now. I'm not moving in. Not by I any mean, stroke of imagination. I, I can't even in, embrace. Matter of fact, I, I, I'll be quick on this. I, I have a really good friend of mine, and he's a pastor. And, you know, I said, I, I'm a God guy. And uh, he says to me, he goes, Javon, man, I, I said hope 16 times in my sermon last Sunday. He goes, I can't stop using the word hope. And I said, okay, do you want me to hope there's a God? Or do you want me to believe there's a God? Because if I just hope, I don't have to commit to this godly lifestyle that you speak of. But if I believe, I got to commit. And, and he looks at me, he's a pastor. He looks at me and he goes, damn, I never thought of it that way. And I go, I, I don't hope. I, I believe. Belief forces execution. That's a great lesson. Belief forces execution. That's a really great lesson. Now, I know that, you know, we've talked a lot about this journey you've been on from your childhood and which is an adventure of itself. And that's putting it mildly by <laughs> anybody's description. But beyond that, there's also, you know, like we talked about starting out in a deficit, whether that was a food deficit, a parenting deficit, love deficit, um, and then uh, educational deficit and all those kinds of things but you've built this really amazing legacy um you know for yourself for your family uh where for, based on where you've come from to where you are and i know that you, we were talking before that in your even in your presentations you talk about how your life has been built around priorities and, and oftentimes i feel like people don't know what their priorities are. They don't, we are very much, we live in what I call the SOS mentality, shiny object syndrome, right? <laughs> and, and so the priorities go out of the window based on what new shiny object. And I, and I, and I will be clear, I think we all have it. I, I know yeah. I've got it. Um, it, it my, my shiny object may not be your shiny object, some people's shiny object is uh, a new Rolex or a Maserati or whatever it might be. Other people's shiny object, which was mine, which was the pursuit of enlightenment, wishing to be smarter, wishing to understand this 
the greater the greater experience of the universe in a way that you know that was my new shiny object i get that but it's still a shiny object and and some of us like me set our priorities around that talk to us about how you have manufactured your life you know because i started at the beginning talking about we're given this raw material and then we sculpt it into this creation we call our life you've done it through priorities talk to us about that i want people to learn that from you so it, it's it's interesting on you know right right now in society the the hot term is work-life balance work-life balance and and what what's interesting is if you ask someone define work-life balance mm -hmm. the first thing they're going to do is attack work don't work 60 70 hours a week don't check your emails first thing in the morning oh we should only have a four-day work week you know don't, you know it's it's work 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 attack work attack. do what you're passionate about it, it's it's all we do is attack work you never hear anyone attack life no one says yeah, I probably shouldn't binge watch Friday at six o'clock at night till Sunday, six o'clock at night. How about, how about we bring that up in, in life? How about you not go to the bar Thursday through Sunday? How about you not stand in line 24 hours for the new iPhone that does two new things than the shit you already have? <laughs> and, and then we have the audacity as a society to put it on TV and this fool comes running out of the, the Apple store with the new phone celebrating, hey, I just stood in line 24 hours, spent $1,500 on this. And what'd you get for it? You bought a phone and no one talks about the life side of this. And, and it's crazy. When's the last time you've heard someone say, oh man, whoo, we spent the whole weekend just been studying our, our financial future and our 401k and our investments. <laughs> no one says that. So, so for me, the priority in life came down to God, health, family, business, and investing. If it doesn't fall in my five pillars, I don't do it. You know, the, the Super Bowl just passed. Unless Tom Brady is sending me part of that $20 million, I don't give a damn what he's doing in the Super Bowl. So, and, and I love football. I love the game. I love the sport. Uh, I love to play golf. But that's four and a half hours to play a round of golf. And I'd much rather spend that time with my, my family. So uh, we, we are not, as a society, prioritizing uh, life and, and work is part of life. So there is no work-life balance. You know, we're, we're not, no one wants to address because that's hard because now I got to look in the mirror and say, Ooh, I do spend a lot of time binge watching or, or this one, you, you put me on a roll. So you, you got to listen to me. Here's what I don't understand. Social media. Sometimes we've all seen those people who will uh, post a picture of, of their dinner at whatever restaurant they're in. So here's what happens. You take a picture of your food and we all know you never get it right on the first picture. So you take two, three pictures of, of your, your dinner. You, you upload it to whatever social media platforms you're on. Then you set your phone down. You start talking, you take a bite of your food. Inevitably, two bites later, you pick up your phone to see if what? You got any likes? or comments. God forbid you get a comment 
and someone says, oh my God, looks so good. Where are you? Now you got to engage and you got to, oh, we're at such and such. And how many more likes did I get? Excuse my language. Who the fuck cares what you're eating? What, what do you get for that? Sit there, enjoy the moment, enjoy your meal because you're just wasting time. Here's what I, I found. One of the biggest things that I learned when I went broke. I made a lot of money, lost it all. I've made a lot of money back. I don't care if you're Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, anybody on the Forbes 400. Here's what I realized. Everybody has the same 24 hours. No matter how much money you have, you can't purchase a 25th. No one can purchase a 25th hour. Damn. So, so I'm like, wait a minute. We all have 24 what the fuck am I going to do with these 24 hours? And the, the, the most precious thing we have is time because you can't get any more. You can't, I don't care how much money you make. You cannot purchase an additional hour. That's absolutely right. <clears throat> and uh, I, I love what you're saying there about the work-life balance. I, one of my things is to, and it's one of the things I've learned from millennials who I think are really great with this. They, they actually understand that there's no such thing as work-life balance. They understand work-life blend. Yep. And that is, you know, if I am hating the place I'm working, then my life is out of balance. If I'm hating my life, my life is out of balance. So millennials want to make friends at work. They want, you know, they want it to be part of their social environment. And, and they allow, they've actually taught us to understand the importance of making sure that, you know, I don't feel like I have to be at work and then I have to be somebody else at home. That, you know, one of the things I, I will say to people all the time as the leaders I work with is, do you think you stop being you when you go to work? Right. <laughs> You've got crap going on at home. You're taking that to work. As much as you might think you can compartmentalize it, it's impacting work. And if you've got crap going on at work, it's impacting your marriage or your the way you're parenting or whatever it is. And so that that need for a blend that allows you to say, can I be present here and love what I'm doing so that I don't feel resentful that I'm not doing something else? That's all it is. Yep. Right. So I don't want to be resentful of doing something else. So it's like, I want to be here. I'm loving being here. And then when I'm not, I'll go somewhere else. Yep. You know, one of my great teachers, Patasadi J said, taught me years ago, wherever you are, be there. Be there. That's be it. This is the only option. Be there. And he said, and if you can't be there, go somewhere else. Yeah. Where you can be. And I was like, that's so simple that I, you know, it probably took me a couple of years to get that, but it was, it's profound. It's important. When, when you look at the, the, the priority thing, when you look at how people do the priorities, what is the, you know, I mean, you talked about this work-life blend, uh, work-life balance thing and the illusions of that. And you've talked about setting your five. As somebody's watching and they're listening to us and they said, well, how do I determine what the five are? What would you say to that? How would you guide them to find maybe their three or their five or whatever it is? So we actually, I've actually had um, conversations with, we, we call ourselves a tribe here at, at Scribe. 
and I've had conversations with the tribe members. And what's mind blowing for some of them is that they've actually never sat back and thought about it. And, and I tell them, I said, it may not be five for you. It may be three. Mm-hmm. And I said, but never let it go more than one hand. If it's more than one hand, it, it is, there's too many. So there, there can be uh, maybe as few as two, but never more than five. <laughs> And mm-hmm. most people have actually never taken the time to say, okay, what are the five things are, that are the most important to me? Most people have never thought about that. And, and it's, it's mind-blowing when some people sit back and are like, okay, what am I willing to do without? What am I willing to not do without? And then start prioritizing those and say, wow, okay, that's... Ooh. Okay, but, but don't want- you think that that's why people are often jump, you know, you talked before about, um, you know, the black square and things like that, right? Don't you think that's why people are jumping on bandwagons? Because they don't know their own priorities, so they, they jump on everybody else's? They, they don't know their own priorities. They don't know themselves. They, they are looking to be a, a part of something. I, 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 I've learned this. Um, you cannot expect someone else to love you until you love yourself. It's actually, it's, it's actually how dare you expect somebody else to believe in you or love you if you don't even believe and love yourself. How dare you even do that? And, and so a lot of people are looking for that uh, belief in themselves and that love by way of social media, <laughs> likes, hearts, comments, and it's, it's, it's very shallow. It's very empty. What, what, what uh, I, I use uh, Tucker's phrase, it's the, uh, the hungry ghost. You could, they're, they're, you're always hungry. Yes. And, and I agree with that. And I want to go to the other side of it. Um, particularly from, from someone like you, who's come from where you've come from. There are people watching, listening who had a childhood, had a background where there was no, no belief instilled inside of them about their possibility. They were, they've never experienced love. So it becomes facile and maybe even insulting to say, love yourself, um, believe in yourself, because these are non-concepts. You know, they're, they're like, you know, to have a concept of something is to have a have a sense of I, I've seen that or in at least in a movie or I've touched it in some way, but I have no understanding of. So here's here's Javon saying you got to believe in yourself if you want somebody else to believe in you, you got to love yourself if you want somebody else to love you. But I've never experienced that. I don't know where to begin. What do you say to that, Javon? Because you've come from that world. It, it's. um this goes back to the accountability. Now, mm-hmm. if, if a child is asking me that, that's a, mm-hmm. that's a whole different different question thread of, of trying to take them through something. If an adult is asking me that question, as an adult, we have, we have a, a, a responsibility to seek answers on our own as well. No one's just going to show up at your doorstep and, and provide you with the, the answers of life. And that's where a lot of the accountability comes in to, okay, what does it mean to love myself? What does it mean to believe in myself? You can seek answers. You can seek wisdom, experience, ask people. Here's the damnedest thing. Get get this one. Uh, 
we'll spend hours, hours trying to save $50 on hotels.com for a weekend getaway uh, to, to Vegas. But we won't spend the same amount of time on, okay, how can I learn about myself? How can I, I invest in myself? Belief, love, uh, self-reflection, trying to understand me. So we, we are, it, it's prioritizing again. We're right back to the same thing of how do I prioritize learning how to love myself, believing in myself. You gotta, you gotta ask the questions. And, and I have found that people aren't willing to ask the questions because sometimes the questions are fucking hard. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you. I, uh, I, I think the root of it all is self-knowledge. I, I believe that with every fiber of my being, but if you go looking for self-knowledge, you're going to find stuff you don't like. Yeah. I think that that's what keeps people away from it. And so, you know, the, the people that I, I see many people running their lives by ignorance is bliss. I may be miserable, but I'm miserable in a nice big house. I may be miserable, but I've got a nice car. I may be miserable, but I'm married to somebody who other people are jealous of me being married to, as opposed to what will bring me joy what will allow my soul to be filled as opposed to my, just my bank account being filled? Well, and I don't think there's one thing wrong with the one's not right. And the other one's wrong, but th th we need both sides of that coin. To totally. And, and, and here's, here's where I, I'll, I'll elaborate on that, especially the examples you gave. I, I live in a big house or I I'm in a marriage or my, my bank account is big. All of those things are choices. So you made a choice. So mm -hmm. you're, you're capable of making a choice of what do I want to know about myself? Here, here's the, the, the one why I'm, I'm just so, I'll push back at this one so hard. Good. When I went broke, I remember I came home and I was looking in the mirror and, and I was laughing. I was crying. I was, I was like, oh my God, how'd I get here again? What would happen? And, and I was laughing because I remember, okay. I'm broke. I've been broke. I know how to navigate broke. You know, I, I didn't expect that I'd be here speaking with broke again. So I was like, Hey, broke, how you doing? Good to see you again. Give me a hug. I didn't think I was going to see you again, but I knew how to navigate broke. Right. Here's what jumped out to me. And I had to have this conversation and I stood in the mirror and I had an out loud conversation, not none of this look in the mirror and, and think in your head An out loud conversation. And here's what I had to admit. For all the money I had made, I had a shitty character. For the, the, the very person I did not want to become, I became. And I had to stand there out loud and say, you know what? You can't hold a relationship. You're horrible in relationships. You're a monster. You don't know how to treat women. You're just like your father. You're just like the person you didn't want to become. And to your point of what you said, sometimes when we seek out those conversations, those questions, we don't like the answers. It's hard. We don't want to see. And, and I had to have that conversation out loud that, wow, I became just like my dad. And that was a hard conversation. And from then that moment, I said, okay, I know how to make more money. How do I have a better character? You've taught yourself to navigate corporate America. You've taught yourself how to trade stocks. You've taught yourself finance. Damn it, you need to treat, teach yourself 
how to be a good person, how to be a good man, how to have a good character. And, and here's the damnedest thing. You want to hear the irony of this whole thing. You know what I went back as a starting point to, to start that journey of being a better character? When I was eight years old, one of those weekends, my dad picked me up. We're walking through the grocery store and a little girl walked by me and she said, hi, Javon. And I didn't say anything. I put my head down. I was shy. I felt this massive blow to the back of my head. My face hit the ground. My nose is bleeding. My lips bleeding. And then I'm up against the frozen food door with a forearm stuck in my neck. And my dad's like two inches from my face. And he says to me, I don't care who it is. You show respect, be kind, and say hello to everyone. We had just finished collecting money from prostitutes, and here was this man teaching me this lesson. And to this day, to this day, I say hello, I'm kind, and I show respect to everyone. And that's what, that became the foundation point of rebuilding my character. That's profound. Again, for me, it's, it's always profound because, again, we... we like we were talking about right at the beginning is that we often like to keep people in a single format, you know, and here's your dad who you saw beat prostitutes. You saw him drag them out of the car by their hair, who then tells you, say hello, be kind, be respectful. It's like, yeah, you might want to learn that. Right. You know, um, that contradiction remember it talked about the molotov cocktail of contradiction yeah your dad was a molotov cocktail of contradiction you said that when he stood stared at you guys you were like oh my god we're gonna die and at the same time it was a profound moment so it's it's that moment you know we we, we talk about it in our work as staring into the abyss that moment of stepping into the dark cave to confront the things that we're afraid of most people will turn and run away. So when you turned into the mirror and you went, yeah, I've made money, I've had success, blah, 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 but I've got a shitty character and I treat women poorly and I'm bad at marriage, I'm bad at relationships, and I've become my dad. A lot of people at that point would go, I guess this is who I am. That's another fuck it moment we talked about earlier. How did you get to the decision to say, I've made success, but now I've got to make character? How did you get to the decision of, of, of doing that? Because it would be easy to say, I've gotten to all the success. I better hold on to the character because the character is what allowed you to build it. Yeah. The character that was, even though it was a horrible one, it allowed you to be ruthless and make that. So how did you get to the point of going, didn't you feel like if you, if you traded that away that you might lose the, the success? I know that now looking back, you see that differently, but at that moment. Uh, the, the, the moment, the moment I, I had to admit who I was, but I knew it's not who I wanted to be. And so I, I, I wasn't going to accept, well, I guess this is who I am. Well, wait a minute. I have a choice. I don't have to be this person. I don't, I don't have to continue to, to act this way. Mm -hmm. And so we, we all have choices, all of us. 
Now, I'm not saying those choices are always easy. You know, so someone said to me the other day, they go, um, well, you know, uh, life's not, it's, it's not that easy for me. I can't just, um, uh, there's no opportunities in my city. I live in a small city. I was like, oh, okay, that's an easy solution. I said, it's an easy answer. And they were like, really? I said, yeah. I go, move. And they go, well, it's not that easy. I didn't say it was easy. I said, the answer is easy. What you have to do sometimes is hard. And so it was, it was one of those moments where, yeah, it was who I, and in that moment, I was just like my dad, but I didn't have to accept that. I didn't have to say, okay, I guess this is just who, who I am. No, it's not who I want to be. So I'm going to be different going forward. You know, my, my wife now, uh, this is the first healthy relationship I've ever had. We've, we've been married now for, for nine years. First healthy relationship I ever had. It took me 40 years to get here. And, you know, great. You know, but but here, here's the other thing. Many people also feel like, oh, it's too late for me. It's too late for me. My attitude is this. Hey, tomorrow morning, the sun is still going to come up. Traffic's still going to be bad. So what am I going to do to go out and, and make the most of it? You, you can change. Change is not always easy. Improvement is not always easy, but it, it takes consistency. And, and here we go right back to accountability. We live in a world where consistency, people don't want to sacrifice. People don't want to be consistent. People want to be 30 pounds overweight, go to the gym at two o'clock on Saturday and then when they come out at four o'clock, they want the 30 pounds to be gone. If you're 30 pounds overweight and you're trying to drop that 30 pounds, it's probably going to take you four months of consistent eating habits, exercise, rest, sleep, all, all those good things. But we don't want to do it. We, we want to go out and find the pill that's going to help us lose 30 pounds in 30 days. And the shit doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean, human beings, it is our nature. Um we 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 cling to comfort yeah and when we cling to comfort we don't grow there is no growth in comfort it just doesn't take place um and oh can, can, you know you gotta you gotta let me interrupt you that, yeah, that's, that, that, that is so great because we cling to comfort i feel that one of the greatest gifts that was given to me i didn't have any comfort as a kid so i embraced the hard work. I embrace what it took to, to move forward. All the hard things in life, I embrace them. The consistency, the day in, the day out, the hard work, the pain at times. I embraced it because I never had comfort to embrace. Yeah, that's very true. Javon, this has been an amazing conversation, my friend. I really want to thank you for your courage, for your commitment, for everything that you've shared. It really has been enlightening, to say the least. And I really want to thank you for your vulnerability and openness and, and willingness to let us all in and let us understand that really, in many ways, uh, It's what we do with the materials we got. Yes. As I started out at the beginning saying, you know, how are you going to sculpt your life? Um, which we may be, maybe the, maybe the title of this show, we'll find out. But, you know, I really want to thank you. It's been a pleasure and honor. I hope you'll stay with us to the end as we say goodbye to everybody else. And for you, dear listener, I want to thank you for tuning in, uh, for watching us. And, you know, 
I want to remind you that I believe with every fiber of my being, that curiosity is the cure for the world. It's the name of the show, Curiosity Bites, because answers require questions. And often when you get the question wrong, you can feel bad or wrong. Somebody gets to be right. Whereas curiosity is an ever deepening understanding of ourselves and of others. So stay curious, my friend, stay curious, not just about your own life, but about the lives of others and about the stories that you're being told by others about what's possible and not possible. You are not your limitations. You were given a bunch of raw material, but what you choose to build that into is entirely up to you. It's been a pleasure and honor to, to serve you today. Again, we thank our amazing guest, Javon McCormick of Scribe Media. You can find out more about him at Scribe Media. You can also find him on LinkedIn. You can find out more about Scribe Media on all, all the other platforms as well. Till next time, stay curious, my friends. Stay curious. I'm Dov Barron, and I am out.